to Doctor of Chiropractic and the President Emeritus of Parker University in Dallas, Texas. We're watching Welcome about this show. the power of self-healing. Good to be here with you. It's good to have you here. I know. I'm looking forward to just having this conversation with you because I know what a fanatic you are in being healthy. Yes. And, you know, I wish more people will find health something valuable in their lives because it can really open up all kinds of opportunities. It's changing so much, too, and I'm sure you've seen that from our, you know, from past generations to now where I, I just, in the next 50 years, can't wait to see where we are in our state of health with all of the new awarenesses that are coming about. But yours is the most important that I think because it is about our ability to restore our bodies to a natural state of homeostasis. So tell me about that phrase that you said that our body can naturally heal itself. Yeah, well, what happens typically is that we've been conditioned to always look for health outside of ourselves. You know, it seems like we don't even listen to our, our bodies unless we're in a lot of pain. And I've often said that pain is just the alarm system of the body saying, hey, take a look at what you're doing because whatever you're doing is not helping me. And, even and it's breaking me down. And it too. Right. And, but the problem is most of us, we just want to numb that pain away or we want it to just go away or we look at it as an enemy instead of a close friend that is trying to warn us that perhaps we're going in the wrong direction. Yes. And you know, yes. when you talk about generations, I mean, right now the biggest issue is that our mortality rate is getting bigger. So we're living longer. Longer. And the challenge is who wants to live longer if your quality of life is gonna be poor, right? I mean, we have a lot of people in their 60s right now that really have to take multiple medications just to make it through the day, right. cannot be active right and you know have retired but now have no health to enjoy it right and, and we don't want to end up in the same way we have no idea what the state of our healthcare system is going to be so right. we need to take this and empower ourselves to do it on our own and that's the key word empower i feel that most of us are feeling disempowered because we feel that our health is not really our responsibility or our uh, our power and all I'm asking is, look, the more you learn about the human body, the more you learn that we are designed to heal ourselves naturally. We have systems in place, like we have an immune system that is stronger than any pill or medication that you can have. And that immune system is set up to fight any bacteria or viruses that you come in contact with. In fact, many of those bacteria and viruses live within our cells, but we never feel any symptoms of it. It's only when our immune system is low that now it becomes an issue and then now we have to deal with it and many of us think, that, oh, it has to be an antibiotic, but why not build your own antibiotic? Why not feed your body the right things? Why not move your body? And all of those things are actually the ones that stimulate the immune system in the body. Does the immune system, um, as it's conquering those bacteria in the body, is that what keeps it stronger? That natural conquering ability keeps it's like a natural workout for the immune system? Well, it's, that's a very good point. It's because our bodies have the ability to have what we call antibodies, and we can produce them any anytime. So it's just like a, a bunch of construction workers, right, that you're hiring anytime that you have a project. Well, the project is, let's say that you have an invading agent, such a virus walking in, like we have a some kind of cold, right? Uh -huh. A virus that is sweeping our classrooms, and then our bodies naturally make those in antibodies to fight it. And it is a workout for the body because it has the ability to bring in a crew together and work very hard to repair the tissue and to fight it. But then once the virus is fought, then it goes away and then it, it goes back into that state of homeostasis or balance. And then it's not in a constant state of producing antibodies. The challenge is that when we have an environment that we're constantly surrounded by things that are not 
helpful to the body, then we, our bodies break down because they're not designed to keep fighting or keep repairing tissue mm -hmm. for long term, Very only short term. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that explains it, uh, why why the immune system over time gets bludgeoned and it just wears out. Well, and that's what happens with chronic illnesses. Mm -hmm. As you know, over 80% of our health diseases today have chronicity in it, meaning that they're long term. And medications have not found the answer to them because the challenge is that once that inflammation builds in, is that inflammation then prevents the body from actually being able to heal, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis or whether it's a diabetes or whether it's a you know, heart disease in some way. And all we're saying is this, when you apply some things such as healthy eating into the place, so the food that you eat has the ability to be a reinforcement, the fuel that you give your body to crank up those antibodies again and crank up all those healthy behaviors that the body is designed to be anyways and kind of give it like a fresh start because our bodies are constantly regenerating so just because you feel like your body's not doing it right now mm -hmm. it doesn't mean it can't do it two months from now three months from now oh okay so you know? it's not a that didn't work for me now it'll never work well, again and that's what happens a lot of times is that we we block ourselves and say well i've had this chronic pain for two years well let's evaluate what got us there in the first place and what can I do different in order to make a, make sure that I end up with a different outcome? So I've heard a statistic recently saying that the placebo effect is, you might know this better than I do, 20%, 50% effective? What is the... Well, the placebo effect, in my opinion, is one of the most amazing things because what is the this placebo effect for those of you that may not know, you know? The placebo effect is actually when you trick a patient into thinking that they're giving you something that has chemistry in it, uh -huh. but it's really just a sugar pill, or it's, it's got nothing. And your belief system, uh -huh. which is what I think this is going to help me, actually helps over 50% of those patients. 50%? Yeah. Wow. So what happens wow. is that if, if, if that is the case, then why don't we utilize that analogy in everything in our lives and just trust that the body has the capability of healing instead of thinking, oh, I have to have some kind of shot in order for me to be able to fight a cold. Why not trust in your body that your body has an immune system ready to fight that cold whenever it comes, yeah. not only once a year, but throughout the year, and why not feed that body you know, or exercise or begin to think more positively because there's so many studies that have shown that when we think optimistically, our bodies heal up to 40% faster than when we don't. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. So, so that's what your whole concept of self-healing is, is the mind's ability to heal itself. Right? It's not just the mind, it's the body too. And really, when you think about it like that and you said it, all I can think about it, all I'm doing really is reintroducing yourself to your body and introducing you to a body like that my is... my mind to my body or my whole self? Your whole, well, when I talk about the body, I talk about the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual self. Okay. Okay. So on the physical level, I want you to understand that our body has systems in place that are set up to actually maintain a very healthy life. In fact, most of the studies right now are showing us that we are destined to live up to 120 years old. Wow. 120 years old, that's what the science is telling but us. But we want to live healthy into it. That's the challenge. I mean, how many, honestly, let's, let's think for a minute. How many people over 50 years old do you, do you know right now that you can say they're truly healthy? Mm. And I'm around a lot of healthy people. I know one. And I don't know that many. Mm -hmm. And she's extraordinary. I mean, it's, she's you know? 74 and extraordinary. But she's green-juiced all her life and 
you know, very active senior. <laughs> and, and what I'm trying to do is, yeah. so what I did is I did about a 25-year study in thousands of patients that I served in order to find out what were the common denominators in all healing. Oh, good. And what I decided to put it in this book is because I wanted to be able to show that when our bodies feel limited physically, we can always access our, our emotions, our mind. And when our mind gets a little bit limited, we can always access our spirit. And that's the way that I want people to understand that wherever they are in their journey, to understand that when the mind, when the body, the mind, and the spirit are properly aligned, is when you're setting the environment for your body to self-heal at the greatest level. So what is one of the things that you like remember the most from your yeah. book of the greatest way of self-healing? Just an example. Well, if it's on a physical level, mm -hmm. I would say right now is your nutrition. Nutrition. Okay. Because right now, one of the things that we have known is that we've done a lot of studies that have shown that what we think about the foods we eat have a lot to do with the outcome in our bodies. Mm. For instance, if you eat some food that you may not think is healthy for you, mm -hmm. but mentally you beat yourself up before and after, I shouldn't right. have eaten that, I shouldn't have eaten that, that turns into a negative expression in our bodies. But if you eat, let's say, a slice of pizza, but you're celebrating it with your best girlfriend, mm -hmm. you're having the best talk ever, then that slice of pizza doesn't actually have the negative impact that it would have had if you just keep keep yourself saying, I shouldn't have that pizza, that's not gonna be healthy for right, me. Right. That's gonna make me gain weight, that's gonna make me feel mm -hmm. sluggish, that's gonna make me uh, not be able to sleep good at night. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So I, I absolutely agree. I've done that before with cupcakes. Yeah. They're so cute. So <laughs> what I often say to my patients is just look, I don't want you to be perfect. Yeah. You don't need to be perfect. If you're gonna have those type of foods, then celebrate them. Tell yourself the opposite. That's great. This cupcake is going to make me lose so much weight. <laughs> this cupcake is going to make me have so much energy. <laughs> it's going to make me sleep good. Yeah. It's going to make me feel good about myself. But do the opposite because your mind is actually sending the message to the to the body through the brain right. and creating the right chemistries to be able to digest that food in the, either a positive way or a negative way, which is what we call indigestion. Interesting. That's so interesting. And that's why so many people have indigestion is because they're beating themselves up, right? Oh, you know, I didn't have time to prepare a good meal today. You know, lately I've been teaching people just to do smoothies because I realize in a busy life that yeah, I have yeah. that I just made my smoothies and I keep it always ready. So no matter what day, what time throughout the day, if I'm running late or uh -huh. if I don't have time, uh -huh. it you know I just put that smoothie, drink it, and it has all the wonderful vegetables and fruits. What do you put in it? Oh, as an example. You know, for mine, you know, lately I've been doing a lot of green ones. So uh -huh. I've been doing spinach, I've been doing kale, uh -huh. I've been doing I put a slice of banana, a slice of apple, uh, I've been doing uh, broccoli because I love broccoli. And, and then I blend it, and it's just delicious. And delicious. no protein powder or anything in there? You get the natural protein? It depends. Too. It depends, you know, uh, because usually I already have some protein that I like to have it, mm -hmm. like either lean chicken or some turkey. Uh, but if I don't, then I have, you know, uh, a non-animal protein powder. I like mostly uh, protein powders like a pea yes. protein powder, uh -huh. okay, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. And that works really well for me. So it works good for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I like that idea too. It's a great way to start off a child in the morning too on the way to school. Oh. Great protein powder. I, I mean, a smoothie like you just mentioned. Good, good way to set them up. All right, we're going to take a look at this video because this is Dr. Fab giving you some exercises just to feel good. Take a look at this. I want you, all of you to stand up. This has been the one technique 
in movement that you can do anywhere that I have found works better than anything. So I want you to put your feet together. I want you to put your hands down, bend your knees a little bit, and start shaking. Start moving up and down. Just like that. Come on, fill it out. Now, you can do a little bit of the American Indians and say, hey, but just feel it. You see, you can do this five or 10 minutes a day. Whenever you feel like your energy is a little bit low, this is a great feeling. Now you can do it the rest of the talk if you want to, but find your purpose. And your purpose has to be something bigger than yourself. It cannot be about survival. It cannot be about paying your bills. It cannot be about paying the salaries in your office. It cannot be about buying the car you want, about buying the house you want. It has to be about something greater than yourself. The health of humanity could use you right now as a purpose. Just if you apply yourself. Make that your purpose every day. Ignite your creative part. Great creative. Don't think within the box. Think out of the box. Whenever you're confronted with a challenge, think out of the box. Because everybody else is just reacting like you. And if you're not thinking out of the box, unfortunately, you'll have the same results that you've always got. Forgive as many people as you can. Forgive yourself more importantly. You know, all of us beat ourselves up for the mistakes that we made. Who hasn't made a mistake? I've made big ones. I tell my staff, you know, sometimes I see sometimes that they want to do so well. And I always say, listen, mistakes are the greatest teachers. If you choose to look at it as a lesson. So look at your mistakes as lessons as soon as you learn something constructive about it. Another characteristic that we have for most servant leaders is problem solving, healing. You see, most of us spend 80% of our time dwelling on a problem. 80% of our time. Most executives spend 33% of our time in crisis management. And as I observe people, the people that truly are serving leaders are the ones that spend the majority of their time thinking about the solutions of the problem. You know that Albert Einstein had a statement that is one of my favorite quotes, and I say it often because I have to remind myself of that every single day. And that is that you cannot solve the problems of today with the same level of thinking that created them. You can't solve the problems of today with the same level of thinking that created them. So we must change our thinking. We must think out of the box. We must start thinking, what can I do right now to be able to solve this problem? You know, one of the best exercises that I do when I have a problem is that I write the problem down and then I spend a concerted effort in writing every possible thing that I can do right now to solve that problem. And then it's like a checklist, but at least it gives you a guidance of what you can do right now to solve your problem. So my question to you is, what are your problems? And are you making your problems bigger than what they need to be? Good question. Good question. So when people come to you, what are some of the biggest complaints that people have when they come see you? Well, you know, as a chiropractor for many years, uh, most people actually came because of pain, chronic pain, uh, whether it, it was back pain, mm -hmm. whether it was headaches, Is whether it, it was shoulder back pains. pain? Or? Back pain is about over 60% of uh, why people choose chiropractic care because we're so effective. And all the studies that we have done, we're the most effective 
way of taking care of back pain, especially chronic pain. Because the alternatives are usually surgery. Right. So and that has no effect at all. I mean, most of the studies say, please, don't, because what happens if you do a surgery, then unfortunately you have scar tissue, and you can't keep going in there mm -hmm. doing the surgery because that's going to be a long-term problem. So mm -hmm. if you can manage it naturally, so that's one of the main reasons. But when I wrote the book and I started getting the message out there that there's so much more, now it seems like I'm attracting patients that are really chronically ill with cancers, heart disease, diabetes, and they're just looking for how do they leverage their emotional side and their spiritual side to be able to impact the physical. So I still do the chiropractic adjustments because if you don't have a healthy nervous system, you're going to be limited of how much you can heal or how fast you can heal. But then when you start talking about the emotions that keep us unhealthy or the emotions that make us healthy, mm. or how do I begin to live a more spiritual life? Do I start praying a little bit more often? Do I start meditating a little bit more mm -hmm. often? Do I get closer with nature? Do I start figuring out what my purpose in life is? And, and, you know, and once people realize that, you know, wow. it makes all the difference in the world. You go beyond just the yeah. typical chiropractic when you talk like that. And that's really, to me, what health yeah. is all about. It's just a complete, you know, I call it the three-legged stool. You know, it's the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual. And we need to do something in all those three legs mm -hmm. every single day. Mm -hmm. We just can't expect our physical bodies to be able to resolve our emotional problems or spiritual problems. Now, you come at this from a from a from quite a history here. What was the reason that you got into healing in the first place? Well, it was, it was actually a divine act that I was in a car accident as I was doing pre-med. And he landed in the hospital and an orthopedic surgeon that I knew said, I can give you painkillers and I can give you anti-inflammatories, but why don't you go see my chiropractor? And that afternoon, I never heard the word chiropractor, so I just thought it was a specialty in medicine. What medicine were you studying? And I was pre-med. Oh, okay. So I had decided I was going to go into medical school and then neurosurgery. I was fascinated with the nervous system. Wow. So I, I did a volunteer rotation in the hospital in the surgical wing, so I got to meet a lot of the doctors. And when I went to that chiropractor, I just got my whole mind, my whole world opened up to what I call natural healing, where anything that is non-pharmaceutical or non-surgical is what I call natural healing. And then, of course, I decided to become a chiropractor. Then I studied acupuncture. Then I studied nutrition. Then I started looking at energy medicine. And all these years of education, what I realized is that it helped me understand the human body more. but. The, the fact is that everybody has the ability to heal from inside themselves. I'm only a facilitator. I'm not the healer. Nobody is the healer except the body. You mm, know? That is so, I'm so glad you said that. Yes, that if you could just get to the top of that mountain and scream that, that yeah. would help us all. Well, because yeah. everybody's looking for someone to heal them, mm -hmm. when in reality, you are your own healer. It starts with you. It absolutely Everything starts does. with you. Yeah. And, and I found out that a lot of times the reasons that we don't heal is because we don't feel worthy of being healthy. We don't love ourselves enough. Mm. You know, one of the emotions that I found that it could be the most healing emotion is love. Yeah. But it's got to be a self-love. It all starts with ourselves. But most of us, our, our impression mm -hmm. of love is what other people... And also it starts with a commitment to do ourselves no harm. And to honor our bodies and treat them as a temple they are. Who knows about our history? If our parents loved us, then we feel maybe a little bit more worthy of being loved. But if they put conditions on that love, now we expect that we can only be loved unless 
we do those conditions. Yes, absolutely. And I talk about what is called unconditional love, meaning accepting yourself as you are. You know, embracing your perfections, embracing your imperfections, recognizing that no one's perfect. You know, you may be five four and you want to be six foot tall, but you know what? If you talk to a six foot tall, she wishes that she was a five foot four. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because it gets tiring being so tall all the time and everybody looking up at you. Now, can chiropractic <laughs> reduce inflammation in the body? Well, that's a great question. So, chiropractic, the way that it works is that it removes interferences that are irritating the nervous system. And we did many studies, especially in the 60s and the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, that continue to show that when a vertebra is misaligned, that it can actually create an irritation in the nervous system. That irritation turns into inflammation. So whenever you release that inflammation, that, or you correct that alignment, where that now that individual is properly aligned, mm -hmm. the structure automatically affects the function, the inflammation reduces, and now the body can repair itself naturally. Because the inflammation, it when it's there long term, mm -hmm. it inhibits the body from actually healing. Inflammation is only there to be a protective mechanism to repair tissue short term. Mm -hmm. Let's say you sprain your ankle, you notice that it starts getting swollen, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's all the blood vessels and the, the blood uh, platelets that are going into that area to repair the tissues such as the muscle and the ligaments that got probably torn to heal it uh -huh. to heal it uh -huh. but it's supposed to be a short window it's supposed to be only be 48 hours or so but now if that swollen ankle stays there for two weeks six weeks mm -hmm. eight weeks it starts breaking down the tissues and now that ankle has the ability to actually get a lot worse than just a sprain an ankle because now you're not getting enough blood supply to the tissues That's how it happens. and your nerves become an issue so now it starts getting numb now you stop losing the feeling in it or it becomes very painful and, and the inflammation is the key. So that's how we get into chronic states of illness and then that of course we start to protect it with our emotions one of the things that we're going to take a look at here is your wonderful ability to use laughter as a tool for healing. Take a look at this and take a look. <laughs> Our actions are very critical because it allows us to really be what it is that we're wanting to be. You know, there's a formula for success that I don't know if you've heard it before, but in today's time it's really the most profound formula for success ever invented. And that is be, do, and have. The challenge is that most of us have been trained or conditioned to think that we must have first before we can do, before we can be. And the challenge with that is totally opposite to what the formula is. That means that just because you don't have today doesn't mean you can act like you have it. Act as if, which is a principle that we've been taught for many years. Act as if. So if you want to be healthier, act as if you're healthier. At least think a little bit more about being healthier. If you want to be wealthy, act and behave like you're wealthy. And a simple step towards wealth, you know what it is? Just managing your money and having a relationship with your money like you will have with somebody you care about. Not about having money and, 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 and throwing that money away and mistreating it because money is a relationship. And the more the, the relationship and the deeper the relationship, you want to harness it, you want to protect it, you want to, you want to put it to good use. And you know, Mr. Jones was a widower, 75 years old. And he came into my office, you know, very depressed, hadn't showered, full of beer, white beer. <laughs> and I examined him and I adjusted him and I sent him away. Well, two weeks later, I'm having dinner with my wife in a restaurant. 
And Mr. John comes in all dressed up in a beautiful suit with an incredibly gorgeous 22, 23-year-old woman next to him. So he sees me in the corner of his eyes and he goes to my table and says, Dr. Mancini, so great to see you. I just want to thank you. I said, Mr. Jones, what happened to you? Just two weeks ago, you were depressed. You were just you were miserable. Oh, but Dr. Mancini, don't you remember what you said to me? It's changed my life. And I said, Mr. Jones, what did I say? I said, Dr. Mancini, you said, get a hot mama and be cheerful. I said, Mr. Jones, that's not what I said. I said, you have a hard murmur, so be careful. <laughs> Whatever you listen to, that's what's important. It worked for him, it can work for you. And the third emotion that keeps you from fulfilling your successful potential is anxiety. And anxiety is more related to the present. Right now you're graduating, it's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm not gonna have any tests on Monday morning. What am I gonna do Monday morning? Anxiety of whatever emotions you're going through right now. And the one emotion that allows you to diffuse that anxiety is actually love. There is nothing more powerful than love. And the kind of love that I'm talking about is not the kind of love that is conditional. It's an unconditional love, the same love that you have for a brand new baby. A brand new baby that you have no expectations except the desire to want to serve, to be able to be there, to cuddle, to, to, to love, to kiss on. Whatever the case may be. Even if you're changing a diaper, it's amazing. When you change a diaper of somebody that you love, like your son or your daughter, it smells very different than if you change the diaper of your neighbor's kid. I'm telling you, you know, if your wife says, you know, honey, would you change the diaper? Sure, honey, I would love to. Ah, oh, smells so good, you know. <laughs> but try to change the diaper of somebody else's kid. It's a very different experience. I want you to learn to love yourself unconditionally. I want you to look in the mirror and say, I love you. I really, really love you. Every day, a few times a day, I love you. Because you see, if you can't love yourself authentically, if you can't love yourself unconditionally, there will be no way you can love anyone else that way. So after all of the chiropractic work you've done, this is your message, is about self-love to heal the body. Is that where self-healing begins, is in self-love? Well, the, the thing is that you can't have self-healing until you love yourself enough to want to be healthy. Because you have to prepare your body to say, I am worthy of being healthy. And then when you appreciate yourself enough, that's when you begin to explore, okay, then what do I have to work with? Mm -hmm. How does this body really work? How can I leverage it? How can I utilize it to my best interest? How can I let it help me live the quality of life that I want to live? You know? Take, for example, you go to a doctor and you've got a heart illness and, and uh a weight issue yeah. and the doctor says you need to go exercise and eat healthy and then you know gives you a prescription and you walk out the door you have no idea what that means where do you start exercise and eat healthy and so there's a lot of emotional aspects that come to why you don't exercise and why you don't eat healthy right well one of the things that I've discovered over the years is the fact that when I ask people is there one thing that you can think of right now that you feel you can eat that will make you healthier 
all of us know what that is, right? More fruit and vegetables. Right. It's that simple. Right. You know, is there, do, do people recognize that going to the gym or working on a treadmill or taking a walk mm -hmm. is going to help them be healthy? They do. But then the question is, why don't they do it? Right. To me, I boil it down to one simple thing. They don't, they don't think they're worthy of it. Because if you think you're worthy, right? If you love yourself, if your self-esteem is high, and you take care of yourself, mm -hmm. what happens? You begin to surround yourself with people that take care of themselves too. And you feel good. Right. Yeah. And then you realize that that has an impact in every area of your life, right? Mm -hmm. Better relationship with your husband, better relationship with your family, better relationship with your work, yeah. better relationship with God. I mean, everything in life makes a difference because now you feel that, wow, I love myself enough. I'm worthy of this life. I'm enjoying this life. I want to live instead of feeling like a victim or what I call survival mindset, that you're just making it through the day. I mean, you wake up through the same routine, expecting different results, but just surviving every day. Just please, just let me get through this day. That's right. not a way of living, but that's really what most people are doing right now. Yep. You know? And then you add substance abuse onto that or alcohol and so forth just to numb the pain of the daily grind. Right. And then it manifests into even more illness. So, so we identified make... three emotions okay. that actually are the ones that help us break away from that sabotage. You know, the first one is forgiveness. Okay. You know, and the way that I talk about forgiveness is you need to identify those, those things in your life, those people in your life that hurt you and acknowledge it. I don't mean to, you have to forget it, but you need to release it. Because the problem is that health only happens on the present time. That means that we're only capable of healing when we're living in the moment. But if we're stuck in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Worrying about and, and thinking about all these things that happened to us mm -hmm. and not letting them go, it doesn't allow our bodies to be able to self-heal to the degree that it can. But how do you just let that go? I mean, some okay. of those are deep wounds. I know, and the thing is to be able to love yourself enough to realize that I cannot keep going on like this unless I release that. So let's take, for instance, a patient of mine that had a, a father that when she was 16 years old, the man was drunk, walked into her room and raped her, right? The father never discussed it with her again. She never told her mom, she never told a soul. Fast forward it, she meets her beautiful man in college, wants to marry this man. But she sabotaged every relationship up to that time and she doesn't want to sabotage this one. So she came to me and she says, I don't know what to do. I know I'm going to sabotage it and I don't want to. Did so she come to you for a physical adjustment or? She actually came because she was a patient of mine already because she was having some migraines, I think it was. Ah. So when I started discussing, could there be a cause to this problem mm. that is emotional? Mm -hmm. Is there something out there that you haven't let go of? And then she just broke down and she felt like she needed to tell me. Mm -hmm. So what I did is I had her do an exercise, and this is a great simple exercise. I had her close her eyes. I had her imagine, you know, when was the last time she saw her father? Her father had passed away. Mm. So she went back to the hospital room. I said, well, get close to him, sit next to him. I want you to look at his eyes. Tell me what color his eyes are. Oh, they're green. I said, I want you to look at his eyes, and then I want you to say these words after me, but only if you mean them. I said, Dad, I forgive you. I don't understand what made you do that, but I forgive you. You've been a good father, and probably the father was drunk, he didn't even remember doing it or whatever, but the next day she called me, and she says, I feel like a new person. She went ahead and got married, 
never had another issue with thinking negatively about a man because immediately she lost trust. And her biggest challenge was that she didn't want to engage in a relationship in which she couldn't trust the person she was getting married mm. because her father, the figure that she trusted the most, let her down. And also where that would have manifested in the future, physically, if she hadn't gone after that healing, that yeah. emotional healing. That's it, your ulcerative colitis right mm -hmm. there. That's your cancer right mm -hmm. there. You know, usually uterus cancer. Was, yeah, because all of those emotions yes. are stored in our bodies. You see, what most people don't realize is that emotions are memory cells that are stored within our bodies. And all of our cells in our bodies have emotions attached to it. Wow. And those emotions can actually be reactivated just by thinking of the emotion that got started in the first place. So I give you an example. So you're driving, you're driving home from work one night, and it's dark. You have the lights on, and it's raining. And then you look at the rear view mirror. You see some lights coming behind you, and boom, it hits you. Okay. Puts you in the hospital. You have neck pain. You can't move your neck. You know, it takes you about two months to recover. Six months later, uh -huh. same scenario. You live in work, it's raining. You get in your car, right. you see the bright lights, right? But the car Break doesn't out. hit you, mm -hmm. right? And you go through the same symptoms like if the car would have hit you, mm -hmm. and you ask yourself, we've had many patients like this over the years. Mm. What happened? Why did my neck get so tight? I mean, the car didn't even hit me. Mm. It was because those memory cells were reactivated by you putting yourself in an environment that actually recall them. Well, that happens to us every single day by the people that we surround ourselves uh -huh. with, by the same arguments that we're having with the same people year after year, by the by the environment that we have as far as who our friends are. You know, do we have people that are very uplifting and positive, or do we have what I call the downers and mm. the energy robbers out mm. there that they just suck the energy out yes. of you and you come home so exhausted yes. or working in an environment that you hate negative, just to make yeah. a paycheck yeah. when there's plenty of opportunities out there to find an environment that is more conducive to your values. Yes, and that's absolutely true. It's, and it's, it goes unconscious after a little while. You just see these images and you just adapt to them, but you don't understand that the brutality you're doing to your own body in that way. So let's talk about generational belief systems. So regardless of trauma happening in your yeah. life, what about belief systems that are handed down? Like um, when you get old, you're going to be sick. Right. Or um, uh, you're going to get cancer because your grandmother had cancer. Those types of, are those genetics or are they belief systems? Actually, it's interesting because now because of the new uh, discovery of epigenetics, we realize that the environment around the cell is the one dictating how the cell is going to turn out in the future. Mm -hmm. And it's actually changing genes. We never thought that was possible. Yeah. We thought the genes dictated how we would turn out. That they were set. But yes. that was not the case. But the belief system is a little bit different because it's not a physical thing. It's an emotional state of mind that turns into a physical thing. So for instance, if you're born in an environment that believes that we were meant to be healthy, not an environment that is always sick, right? Not in an environment uh -huh. that as soon as you feel the weather changing, immediately you feel you're going to get a cold. Or not an environment that you feel you're going to get the conditions such as diabetes and heart disease that your parents and grandparents got. Right. A belief system is your attitude towards life. It's your, it's your belief whether something is possible or not possible. And one of the things that I'm convinced right now that is the most important thing in self-healing is the fact that you must adapt the belief system 
that trusts and believes that your body has the capability to heal. Because we cheat ourselves every single day when we hear a sentence by a doctor or a diagnosis, all of a sudden we feel that that is the way that it's going to be or that that illness has defined us. You know, we're not illnesses. We're individuals. Individuals with a tremendous amount of power to be able to heal that illness is under the right conditions. Mm -hmm. And the most important condition that I have found is to have a belief system that allows you to know that your body can heal. That you can heal. That yeah. you don't... I mean, I'm not saying not to go to the doctor if you have a, a serious illness, but to try to heal that illness if right. you can with your mind first? Is that what you're saying? Well, I mean, what I'm saying is that don't let your condition dictate your outcome. You know, don't let your history okay. prevent you from your destiny. Huh. You know, don't yeah. let the, 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 what has happened in the past determine how you're going to be able to be in the future. Yeah. So for instance, I like the fact that you want to go to a doctor is to primarily get an evaluation of how you're doing. And information. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. for instance, I get my blood check every six months. Mm -hmm. And I do that primarily because I find that chemistry is a great way of finding out how my hormones are doing, mm -hmm. how my blood vessels are doing. All that, yeah. yeah. Cholesterol. And then I started looking at, okay, what are the behaviors that I need to start changing? But before I can change a behavior, I gotta change my thinking. Mm -hmm. Because if I, let's say my cholesterol is high, but I'm still having some of those heavy foods that are not healthy for the cholesterol, right. you know, that's not gonna help me. So then what do I have to do? I need to start thinking differently to say, okay, how can I put emotional attachments to foods that are healthier for me, ah. that can give me the greatest satisfaction, but yet not harm my body along the way? So the crunch of a carrot can be replaced of the crunch of a potato And this chip. is the beautiful thing, mm -hmm. because our bodies are adaptive beings. Your body will only crave what you give it. If you give your body enough carrots for enough time, it will crave the carrots rather than the potato, potato chips. chips. Right. And most people say, well, you know, I cannot leave my chocolate. I cannot leave my potato chips. I cannot yeah. leave my fried chicken. Right. But the reality is if you, if you give your body healthy food for enough time, and I'm not saying you have to replace everything at once, but slowly start, right. you know, substituting, you know, unhealthy foods for healthy foods, you start seeing that your body doesn't create the unhealthy foods after a period of time. It happened to me when I stopped eating wheat. Is if I ever go back to eat a piece of bread, it tastes like cardboard to me now. It absolutely is completely unsatisfying. I can detect if there's yeah. wheat in something because it tastes weird to me. After after five years of not eating it, I can taste it in anything. Well, now that we have technology that is allowing us to understand that we have what is called food intolerance, mm -hmm. that means that there are certain foods that our bodies are not accepting well and is creating too much inflammation in our bodies. Once I talk to those patients that they've been off gluten or they've been off certain things, whatever, yeah. right? After a while, they don't even miss it. But then the idea of even having it, it, it can't even conceive it because they know that they feel so good now. Why would they ever want to go there? Yeah, it's right? very interesting. And I think the intolerances are more so now than ever because our mm. food supply is completely contaminated at this point and has been modified to a point where the body rarely recognizes what was wheat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the way that we used to. So I want to take a look at this, this clip here about belief systems because it really all boils down to that. Take a look. I've had back pain on and off 
for at least five years. We're going to really evaluate where this pain is coming from because the pain may not be what you think it is. If you've tried everything but your pain still isn't going away, don't give up because the pain may not be what you think. And our next guest is desperate to get rid of her lower back pain once and for all. Hi doctors, I've been suffering from chronic lower back pain for what seems like forever. I get massages, but the pain always comes back. This is taking a huge toll on my life. Is there anything you can do to help me get rid of this pain? Please help. Well, Beverly went to see chiropractor Dr. Fabrizio Mancini at Parker University in Dallas, Texas. Let's see if he was able to get to the bottom of her back pain. So what we're going to do today is we're going to really evaluate where this pain is coming from because the pain may not be what you think it is. One of our technologies that we use is called Insight Station, which is going to tell us what the autonomic nervous system is doing. And then number two is called the Surface EMG. We're recording the electrical activity of the muscles. This is the latest technologies in custom orthotics in the world. We got to know if the source of the pain is coming in from the way that we're distributing weight in our feet. She has 50% more weight on her left than her right. So Beverly, what we found in your exam is that you had four segments in your spine that were out of alignment. The first one was your pelvis, the second one was in your low back, and we noticed that in your upper back and in your neck, there's some activity where the muscles are very tight. So Beverly, now we're gonna give you an adjustment. That's what makes chiropractic a very different approach. We look for the cause of the problem, not just the management of the symptoms of the problem. Here you go. Perfect. Wow, I love that. I'm here with chiropractor Dr. Fabrizio Mancini from Parker University in Dallas, Texas, along with Beverly. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. And so you've been having some treatments. How are you feeling now? Oh my gosh, I feel so great. I travel a lot, and on the trip here, I was just like, oh my gosh, I got off the plane, and I didn't feel like a pretzel. Which is good, and I think you know, today's show is all about the pain may not be what you think. So, Dr. Fett, let's talk about uh, what pain often is in your back that may not be what you think. Well, and in her case, it was primarily her travel schedule was putting a lot of undue stress into her spine. But also we found out that she had a couple of accidents that were not addressed properly and corrected, and they were just showing up now in, later on in her life. And then we did the chemical evaluation in which is her diet. You know, with the travel schedule that she has, she's not eating properly, she's got too much sugar in her body, and that stresses the nervous system, and that can also create inflammation that shows up as pain. And then the last one was the emotional component of the stress. And the emotional was that she started a new business, she wants to help a lot of people, she's got a lot of stress in getting this business going, and all of that tension builds up in our spine, and that causes an underlying cause of why the pain shows up. Well, and it's interesting you bring this up because stress can not only just increase pain in general because of the environment that it creates around you, but stress has a physiologic effect on our muscles. If we're, if we're constantly stressed out, we've all felt this way, right? Where it's like, take a deep breath. You take a deep breath and everything relaxes a little bit. But when you're stressed out constantly, it can reflect itself in these areas of pain. Absolutely. And I love that you take a multifaceted approach here because, again, it's all these things combined. And, and you actually brought one of the devices that you used on, on Beverly, Yes, well, right? one of the things that I had to share with Beverly is the fact that the pain is not the problem. The problem is the fact that the body communicates uh, 
through the nervous system, and then it just lets us know that there is a problem inside, but the pain itself is not the problem. And uh, when we see the animation of the nervous system, we see that the pain travels all through the brain, throughout the whole spinal cord, and it shows through all the impulses that are communicating back and forth from the body to the brain and the brain to the body. But I also know that there's some individuals, so we're trained to actually find the cause of that problem, which we call subluxations, which are the misalignments in that, and then we just correct it. And I know that there's some people that are afraid to go to a chiropractor, because sometimes they see that the noise that is produced after an adjustment is a little bit scary. But what I did with Beverly is also I introduced this unit that is called an activator. And it's a very simple unit that has a very little rubber end, and then we just went to the little segments in the, her spine, just like that. And that allowed me to correct the misalignments and the subluxations, and that's what gave her the relief that she now has. Because the cause of the pain was not necessarily her back. Actually, in our exam, we found out that most of her cause was coming from her upper back and her neck and some of the other stresses that we found chemically and emotionally. We are so happy that you're feeling better. Thank you so much. Most and everyone in the audience is going home with a copy of Dr. Fab's book, The Power of Self-Healing. It is definitely all about our belief systems. What was it like for you growing up? You grew up in Columbia, right? Yes. And then when did you move to the U.S.? Uh, I was 13 years old, and uh, we moved to Miami. And my parents really just wanted us to have more opportunities in the United States. I mean, we love Colombia. Half of our family is there. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, for us being five boys coming to a country like the United States, it was like, wow, all these opportunities. And honestly, my parents just wanted us to choose whatever career we wanted. Wow. You know, because in there, you know, it felt like you had to do always be part of the family business. You know, they had a, a business of olive oil and, and pastas and all of that. Mm. And, and none of us really wanted to do that. We, like, all of us are in a different industry. Oh, interesting. Uh, but what it what it was interesting for me is the fact that it was very different culturally, because the United States for me was a little bit more spread out, and in Colombia, you know, as a as a Latin, we get together all the time and we celebrate, you know, and most of our foods, whether it's lunch or dinner or breakfast, it's all really a celebration mm. of talking about each other's day and what happened, and and what I found out through my research is that, you know, Hispanics are living longer now than most uh, whites and African-Americans. And the reason for that they found in the research is because they have the ability to actually unload their emotional stress in, in a support system that we're finding that we're not seeing that in the other cultures. Interesting. You know? Absolutely. Sometimes, yeah, the cultures are split apart here in America because we do have you know yeah. a wide range of places to move. but. In, in that familial situation, you get to download, and sometimes it's great, and sometimes it's not so great, well, but you at least get it out. <laughs> I know, and the thing is that, let's say that you're having an argument with somebody, and instead of swallowing that up and, and not telling anybody, it's so healthy just to kind of release it, mm -hmm. tell somebody about it, and you know it's within the family, and, and you know it's interesting because whether you meet in somebody's house or it's a park or whatever, it's just you always see the, the Latin community always coming together. Yeah. And, and also in our foods. Now, we may not eat as healthy as some other cultures, but what we do have is the, high, is the healthy emotions behind eating. 
because eating should be a celebration. Mm, it absolutely. should never be just a chore that, oh, I just got to grab something to go. It should be really a way to feed the body, not only physically, but emotionally, as a way of saying, I'm nurturing you, I'm taking care of you. Mm. And we're doing it with people we love around us. So, you know, like for us, you know, we have also Italian descent. So growing up with an oh Italian descent family and a Colombian family, it's like yeah. when we cook, yeah. we put so much love into that food that people <laughs> just love it. And But you can go get the same recipe somewhere else that doesn't put that emotion behind it, yeah. and it doesn't taste the same. Yeah. I mean, you always hear the expressions of, this is so delicious. <laughs> what did you do? I've had the same recipe, but mine doesn't feel yeah. like that yeah and that's why you know like our our moms and our grandmas are really into cooking yeah because they put so much love that's a way of saying i love you the added ingredient yeah. is love yeah have you noticed any specific health challenges within the hispanic community that you address i know that you have a show on CNN well right and yeah right now one of my biggest uh one of my biggest uh challenges out there is the fact that when it comes to obesity we're ranking really high when it comes to heart disease uh, when we come to some of the cancers and I believe that part of that is our lifestyle you know we need to be able to make better choices you know right now as a culture it seems like we just work 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 mm. and then we just overeat mm -hmm. eating is become kind of like a, like a way of supplementing uh, the fact that we are away from our countries you know, away from the environments that were very nurturing. You know, I love the, the spirit of an immigrant that comes to the United States because whether you're Hispanic or anything else, because you come to build something, right? To create a better future. And most of the time they're sending money back to their yes. relatives at home to be able to provide for themselves. Absolutely. And they sacrifice themselves around, the, uh, around that. But there's a, there's a price to pay for that. And sometimes that price is an emotional void that you find a lot of times in our culture is food. And that's what's leading to a lot of our obesity. So what I'm trying to really convey to our culture is that instead of eating so much, how about working out together? How about going for a walk together? Mm -hmm. You know, how about being able to uh, go to the park and create some games and all of that so we can move our bodies a little bit more? Or how about just having an emotional fest, you know, of gratitude and, and, yeah. and, and, and just being grateful for the opportunities that we've been giving instead of dwelling on what we have lost. Well, you have absolutely contributed so much to that community and many, many different communities. You've been up to a lot in your life. I want you to take a look at the, the life and times of Dr. Fab. Take a look. In an age full of questions, it's reassuring to know that someone has answers. Dr. Fabrizio Mancini opens the door to understanding today's complex and failing healthcare system and provides alternative solutions to achieving better health and wellness and, in turn, a better life. A practiced and proficient presenter, Dr. Mancini is an internationally acclaimed bilingual speaker who adeptly connects with today's audiences, breaking through barriers of confusion and complicated questions, and who easily communicates a simplified response to the demands of living in today's society. Dr. Mancini's love of humanity and learning has garnered him much respect and recognition, including Heroes for Humanity, Humanitarian of the Year, CEO of the Year, and the honor of having one of Mexico's newest leading universities, UNEVE, name their library after him. His service as educator and philanthropist, contributions to numerous publications, history of providing assistance to governmental entities, and his experience as a highly sought-after guest on radio and television programs 
Compliment Dr. Mancini's position as an accomplished authority and specialist in the field of health and wellness. Now, universities and other educational institutions, corporate organizations, and media partners are afforded the opportunity to experience what thousands of healthcare professionals and millions of individuals have known for years, the wit, wisdom, and life-changing truths shared by Dr. Mancini. Dr. Mancini stands ready to bring a message of health and wellness to organizations wanting to train employees, media partners seeking expert advice for their audiences, and educational institutions interested in exposing students and faculty to a better life of wellness and stress-free living. With over 20 years hands-on experience, affecting change and reshaping lives, this talented, capable speaker and engaging expert will motivate and inspire your audience to reach new heights of personal success and enhanced health and wellness. So how do you walk your talk in your life? What do you, how do you live? What's your routine like? I know you travel a lot. Yeah, but that's there? a great question oh, because I believe that it's very difficult to promote a message you don't live. Mm -hmm. Because we know that words are less than 10% of communication, but the Actually. certainty of living it and uh, feeling it every day is what people feel. So my routine is very simple. I get up um, around 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm at the gym. By 5.15, I live across the gym. And for me, I've always told myself that I just needed to get to the gym. Just move. Because if I get to the gym, I can figure out something to do in the gym. And it could be a Zumba class, it could be a yoga class, it could be uh, training, you know, with weights, it could be cardio, it could be tennis, it could be something, but every day I do something. And then I do... Um, now, do you eat before you go to the gym? Yeah. You don't? I don't. I do a recovery shake after, mm -hmm. and I do primarily some uh, organic berries, frozen berries. Uh, I freeze them, and then I put them on the shake so that way they're cold. Yeah. And then I put water, and then I, that's why I put a lot of my nutritional supplements uh, that are going to help me, and then that's why I call it a recovery shake. Uh -huh. And then I incorporated okay. now a 20-minute meditation after that, wow. because I wanted to start developing more my mental capacity uh, and, and be more still. And I wasn't doing as much of that. I was doing like five minutes earlier, mm. but then I just started incorporating that. And then I started my routine uh, for the day, and then I have a you know a pretty uh, good healthy uh, lunch. And then I continue working, and then in the evenings, I typically don't eat after 7 p.m. Okay. And my dinner is very light. I typically either juice oh, some vegetables and, uh, primarily. I do smoothies of all just vegetables, no fruits, because okay. I don't want that sugar at night. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. uh, or I may make some soups, or I may have some salads. Nice. But something that is not too strong or too heavy, because I noticed that that's what one of the best kept secrets is that if you just don't eat too late at night and don't overeat, mm -hmm. you're going to lose the weight, you know? 
Okay, but most of us don't do that. That's a that's a great way to start right yeah. there. Yes, and, and actually, I, I would love you to talk a little bit about that with the concern of obesity in this particular country and yeah. and some ways to even start with that. I know that you say self-love is very yeah. important. Right. You, you talk about that enabling the self-healing. Other techniques on how you can start to lose the weight. Well, one of the main things to, to lose the weight for me is the fact that you got to change your thinking towards your food. So if you can start looking at food from a healthy perspective, like in the book, you know, I teach you what to eat from the perspective of preventing illnesses. So we know that, for instance, an apple, most people don't realize that, is one of the best ways to prevent strokes in your life. Wow. You know, and most people will never put an apple with stroke. No. But they know an apple is very good for digestive things and other things. Right. Um, if you use kale, kale is wonderful because it's a great immune enhancer. So anytime that you have an immune disorder or you get colds very often, okay. just incorporate more kale into your life. So that's one of the, the best things that you can do is start looking at food as a way of preventing illnesses rather than just satisfying a hunger. So could you juice the kale? Do you blanch oh, the no, kale? No, I, I juice it all. You juice it, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I'm a, I've become a big juicer right now just because it's so simple and practical. It takes five minutes to yeah. put together. And with the routine that I have, I needed something that was very easy to do. But yet, again, I find my body craving this It's things. like a blood tonic. You know? it, it is. It's full. It's complete cellular food. Yeah. <laughs> I, and the, the other think. thing is also take a look at what behaviors may be causing the weight. We know we got to move our bodies a little bit more. So mm. I often re recommend my patients to really park away from the door, as far away from the door as you can, so you can force yourself to walk. Mm -hmm. Take these stairs rather than the elevator. Simple reminders, you know, if you're working in an office, every hour or so, Get up in five minutes and just walk around, even if it's within your own office, but just move your body. Don't sit in one position too long because that's what doesn't allow our metabolism and our thyroid and all that to function as healthy uh -huh. as it can. It um, also detoxifies the body. I think it moves you know, one the toxins of the, One of the out. best things that I do, and I do that once or twice a year, is I do a 21-day detox. Wow. And it's just, all I do is just vegetables and juicing and all this healthy stuff uh -huh. and just to kind of just purify my body and i have the most energy i typically lose more weight than anything else yep. and for me as i've gotten older it's really about making sure that i'm maintaining my energy levels high uh -huh. that i'm sleeping eight hours minimum which i do because if you're the average american Gosh. is sleeping three and a half hours a, a day wow. three and a half hours a night Three and a half? Three and a half. And what happens is that that's why all this late night TV, yeah. that's the worst thing you want to do yeah. because the rays from the television awaken your brain to the point that it won't <laughs> let you go to sleep. You got to get back to that alpha and delta wave, but it puts it into beta when you watch television. So, so it's going to make you too alert. Even if you're laying down, your mind is still going, which really yeah, is Yeah, what sleep. I would say instead, do a meditation instead. Mm. Put some soft music in the background. Mm. Get yourself into that state of relaxation or read a book. Yeah. A lot of times just reading a book just calms the, the mind to the point of, of just being relaxed instead of being active. Well, I know particularly that you're really a good dancer. <laughs> this is one of the things. we got to take a look at this. We're going to play this out here. Thank you so much oh. for being Dr. Fabrizio Mancini. So, so follow him on Twitter. Anyway, uh, shout out to thank you for 7,500 plus.
followers, subscribers across social media. I, I don't know about you, but I feel loved. But maybe that's just for pets. <clears throat> um, anyway, so please go sign my move on petition to indict Trump and expel the GOP. HTTPS colon slash slash bit.ly slash SKA1MMD. <clears throat> Share it. And, and call Congress 202-224-3121 and call the White House 202-456-1111. Leave your comments. Don't just give them a pass. Don't let them stress you out so, so that you don't do anything. <clears throat> for your country. Get up and do something for your country. Um, Dr. Mancini didn't mention that, but follow your bliss. That's where... Um, that's where it's all going to happen, okay? Like uh, Joseph Campbell said, follow your bliss. It's a good mantra. All right, wear a mask in public indoor spaces. Bye.